I'm your host, Gerhard Lasse, and you're listening to Ship It, a podcast about code, ops, infrastructure, and the people that make it happen. Yes, we focus on the people and what happens when their best ideas meet the real world. Why? Because that's how we learn, get inspired, and find out what is worth doing. Today, I'm joined by Cyril Leclerc, Product Manager Lead on Observability at Elastic, and Oleg Nenashev, Principal Engineer at CloudBees. It all started with Oleg's tweet back in July, in which he was promoting Akihiro Kiyuchi's work on Jenkins monitoring with open telemetry. This was done in the context of Google's Summer of Code, and there is a video with Akihiro demoing this project in the show notes. As you may remember from episode 20, instrumenting our changelog.com pipeline is on my mind, and this conversation helped me clarify how I'm going to approach it. I have learned a lot from Oleg and Cyril, and if you're thinking of doing something similar, this episode is for you. Big thanks to our partners Fastly, LaunchDarkly, and Linode. Thank you for the great bandwidth Fastly. You can learn more at fastly.com. Ship new features with confidence by getting your feature flags powered by launchdarkly.com. And thank you, Linode, for keeping our Kubernetes fast and simple. You too can run our infrastructure as we do via linode.com forward slash changelog. This episode is brought to you by Honeycomb. Honeycomb is built on the belief that there's a more efficient way to understand exactly what is happening in production right now. When production is running slow, it's hard to know exactly where problems originate. Is it your application code, your users, or the underlying systems? Teams who don't use Honeycomb scroll through endless dashboards guessing at what they mean. They deal with alert floods, guessing which ones matter, and go from tool to tool to tool, guessing at how the puzzle pieces all fit together. It's this context switching and tool sprawl that is slowly killing your teams and your business. With Honeycomb, you get a fast, unified, and clear understanding of the one thing driving your business, production. Honeycomb quickly shows you the correct source of issues, discover hidden problems, even in the most complex stacks, understand why your app feels slow to only some users. With Honeycomb, you guess less and know more. Join the swarm and try Honeycomb free today at honeycomb.io slash changelog. Again, honeycomb.io slash changelog. Kiyuchi presented Jenkins CI agents monitoring with open telemetry and Jaeger, Zipkin, and Prometheus was included. And one of the goals or like one of the reasons why he did that was to minimize the downtime and set up costs of Jenkins agents. That was like one of the presentation, like the screenshots which I've seen. Now, Akihiro couldn't join us today, but uh, we have Cyril and Oleg joining us. And we'll be talking about open telemetry in your CI and why is it important. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, what can you tell us about the presentation that Akihiro gave back in July, I believe? I haven't seen it yet. Is it live? Can we watch it? Yes, it's live. So it was a project within the Jenkins community as a part of the Google Summer of Code this year. Mm-hmm. Akihiro was one of the students and yeah, he chose observability with open telemetry. Originally, the project was rather positioned uh, towards Prometheus, mm-hmm. but uh, taking uh, the recent developments in the ecosystem, we decided to press it with open telemetry. And actually to try all three parts should the time allow. So metrics, mm-hmm. visibility, and logs. For us, it was one of the missing parts of the puzzle because we already have open telemetry plugin for Jenkins. Mm-hmm. So Cyril and many other contributors created it. Mm-hmm. But this plugin focuses the Jenkins controller as one of the instances. At the same time, Jenkins itself is a distributed system. Mm-hmm. It has agents and actually agents may prove to be quite unstable, especially if you use multi-cloud environments months, if you use various cloud provisioning, single shot agents, which just die after the completion. So it's essential to have some tracing and monitoring for these systems so, so that you can ensure that your CI environment is operational. And of course, if you can also verify that it's cost effective, it would be super. Okay. So this tracing was happening 
on the agent, not on the Jenkins master, so that when the jobs run, there will be visibility into the jobs and into the availability of the agents, of the Jenkins agents themselves. Is that right? Yes. Cyril? Yeah. So here we have initiated an effort to provide visibility in the execution of the jobs themselves, mm -hmm. where we were able to break down the duration of jobs on pipelines in the different steps of these pipelines. And also we were able to track the time spent to allocate build agents. But then we didn't have mm. detailed visibility in the steps to allocate build agents. And so we also had limited visibility to explain what kind of problems could have been happening when allocating a build agent, like cloud resources being unavailable, mm. or maybe the Docker image you want to use being unavailable or broken, and so on. And this was an important focus of Akihiro, mm. which was to complement the existing traces we had, the existing visibility we had on the CD pipelines detailing the agent allocation, which is on the agent communication, which are yeah. some uh, fragile areas. That's a good summary. Okay, so the talk is available online. We can go and watch it. I haven't watched it yet, but I will do right after this because that's basically what started this conversation. And that made me actually think specifically about open telemetry in our CI CD systems and how open telemetry is like nice unifier of all different CI and CDs that we have. Because sometimes people recommend that CI is split from CD, but you still need to understand the unit as a whole. And then what happens when you switch between CDs or CI CD systems? One day you use one and six months later you switch. Do you lose all that visibility? Because the things that happen in your CI CD, they kind of tend to stay the same. I mean, they may expand in the future and become more sophisticated, but the building blocks tend to be the same. So with this context, why would you say that it's important that we use open telemetry in our CI CD systems? Oleg, do you want to go first? Yeah. So first of all, I would rather disagree with CI and CD statement. Mm -hmm. It's a subject for holy war. Personally, I use white old style automation term mm -hmm. because CI CD is a methodology. It might be culture, but when it comes to automation to tools, then actually CI and CD borders are quite blurry and there are many other use cases, for example, for operations, for organization automation. All of that needs traceability mm -hmm. if you want to have your software delivery in place. It's not just CI CD. Okay. And uh, this is exactly where we can talk about open telemetry and other open standards mm -hmm. because if any system independently creates its own monitoring and observability, you basically get lost. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about modern Cloud native deployment with Kubernetes. You usually build your CI or CD system from dozens of different tools. Mm -hmm. Each of them may have different applications, they may have different interfaces. Mm -hmm. And then basically you end up with just trying to understand what happens. Mm -hmm. So, similarly to why Jaeger was introduced for cloud native applications, we need the same for CI, CD, and automation in the cloud because we also need to glue information from these tools on multiple levels. Mm -hmm. So it might be a CI server, it might be agent, it might be just a build tool like Maven. But we need all this information to understand how is our pipeline going. Mm -hmm. And now it's also important for audit, uh, for supply chain security, and many other buzzwords that are emerging. But uh, overall, you need data to verify what happens. Yeah. And open telemetry is uh, one of great opportunities to mm -hmm. provide this data across the ecosystem. You said there's something really interesting about you disagreeing that CI and CD should be two separate systems. Yeah. And I will want to come back to that. So that's really important. Like I've taken a mental note, but Cyril, why do you think that open telemetry is important for CI CD systems? I will break down the point in two different themes. The first theme is, as you have said, there is a lot of visibility in having an end-to-end -end view of the execution of the CI and CD processes, mm -hmm. where distributed traces is very valuable mm -hmm. on we see that distributed traces is, is a very good data structure to model uh, the execution of CI and CD pipelines and processes. On exposing, meeting more practitioners with this proposal, we discover that all the data of the CD processes is a goldmine. Of course, CI CD administrators are interested in this to troubleshoot and maintain up and running their platform. 
They also see benefits for sizing their platform. And then we see dev teams interested in shortening their build cycles, in optimizing their unit tests, their flaky tests. We discover people doing cost accounting on platform, people doing I've seen process optimization like digital transformation, agile transformation, DevOps transformation. You want to measure your lead time. And here, this is a source of data that is very uh, uh, interesting. So here we see a lot of value in capturing this data on distributed traces, which is often associated with open telemetry, is very useful. Mm. Then what you said also that was very interesting for me is you say we want a unified view on CI and CD. And beyond this debate, is it different tools? Is it the same tools? Here, the distributed trace culture tells us that we can have an overall visibility across different phases of a cohesive unit. And so here, whatever people choose to structure their CI and CD phases, mm. with this visibility on the process, we will be able to make this unified. Then when you talked about open telemetry, I think open telemetry is a great solution First, it does distributed traces way uh, well in a way that is standardized, uh, popular for people. And also, open telemetry has the vision to provide unified semantic conventions, a common vocabulary to unify things together. And you said, I can have different CI on CD systems. And I remember this week I was talking with some CI platform administrators who told us we don't use only Jenkins in our organization. Some other people, they use Bilkai, they use maybe other tools. And we want to have an holistic vision on across all these where the CI platform is an implementation details, which reminds me your Dagger conversation previously. These people, they are very interested in having an abstraction to look at the CD process rather than the details of each uh, CI tool. On this culture of the open telemetry community of creating semantic conventions that spans across different tools, mm -hmm. techniques, implementations, I think is a very good match with the problems we want to solve. Mm -hmm. So I saw these two dimensions, collecting data, and also this culture of abstracting to provide a, a unified vision on top of different implementation details in some ways. So from the perspective of having a good CI-CD system, regardless whether it's one or multiple, which has a good open telemetry integration, what would that look like from the moment you push some code? What is like the perfect flow that you imagine that a system with good open telemetry would have? Yeah, so first of all, pipeline would include multiple tools in the chain. So, for example, yeah, we push the code, it reaches uh, firstly whatever social coding system, let's say GitHub, GitLab. Uh, even on this level, there are some events happening. Firstly, the system needs to process your request. Uh, it may apply some its own checks, for example, via GitHub actions, etc. Mm -hmm. And after that, uh, our main CI starts or CD. Mm -hmm. So we invoke uh, external service. We again we may send webhooks to completely different instance. This instance provision whatever our build executor, it may be called agent, it may be just a new whatever pipeline task definition in Tecton in a separate container, it starts, and then we just start executing pipeline. And at this level, it's also not the end because then we invoke tools mm -hmm. because nobody really builds software in CI or CD systems. It's external tools like Maven or Gradle doing that, you invoke them. So these tools are also complicated and you also need to have observability on this level. So basically, in the beginning of this pipeline, we should go through all these levels of tools. And for each level, ideally, we need to have some data so that we can understand what happens, what are the cost blockers, for example, what are the obstacles our system experiences. And it gets complicated even more when we talk about parallelization. So basically, for each build, we need a distributed trace for going deep and hence passing context through level of the systems is essential. I wouldn't say that this question is fully resolved by now, and I want to see much more happening on this side. Mm -hmm. But my expectation as a user to have full observability for pipeline as a single trace mm -hmm. for all levels. And uh, I'm looking forward to see a system <laughs> that actually does that. So we understand when the pipeline starts and what happens at the beginning. Mm -hmm. The middle is always a bit hazy, so we can leave it like that because mm -hmm. it depends on what it needs to do. But I think that we all agree that when the pipeline ends, some artifact 
maybe production artifact need to be produced. Yes. Now, I know that some teams like their pipeline to end with code actually being deployed into production. What do you think about that? Do you think that that should be the last step of the pipeline? Do you think, do you think about this differently? Well, it depends whether it's CI-CD pipeline, because in CD pipeline, we usually deploy mm -hmm. as the last stage. In CI pipeline, even if we deploy, the last stage is actually doing a lot of reporting and post-processing. Right. Because it's not enough to deliver the software. We also need to do a lot of accounting work afterwards. We also need to, to process the results, compare them with previous runs, publish whatever coverage, test reports. And many of the things happen post-factum. Mm -hmm. Deployment is definitely important for any kind of modern pipeline. Mm -hmm. There are many other activities and task-heavy activities which still need to be delivered. And all of that involves many of external tools because you can deploy to other tools. For reporting, you may use external tools, SaaS, like test trail. It can be on-premise, but still, uh, when something goes wrong, yeah. you will need to access this data and you'll need to understand where it went. What do you think, Cyril? I would like to come back to your question on what is the right way to instrument a pipeline. What we have discovered instrumenting Jenkins on Maven on Ansible is that instrumenting well your pipeline is a journey for the instrumentation people. We have to understand what are the right spans to capture in your pipeline execution to capture the right step. For example, on Jenkins, we had to iterate to capture the right spans to measure the time it was taken to allocate the build agent. Our initial instrumentation did not capture it well, so it was hard for CICD administrators to really narrow down their investigation to this specific phase on understanding and evolving across time. Mm -hmm. Another thing that was important for us was to iterate on the right attributes we extract from the pipeline execution that we attach to the spans so that you can get the right meaning of the data for your use case. And we've seen that uh, there is a troubleshooting use case, troubleshooting of your pipeline execution. So here, maybe you need to capture well the GitHub access, GitHub URL, your Jira URL. Sometimes you need to capture some organizational information. If you want to be able to use this pipeline execution data to do some cost accounting, then you need to associate, attribute your pipeline execution to a team. So maybe it's to understand what has caused your pipeline. We are improving this on Jenkins at the moment. How to understand what caused the execution of a pipeline to be able to attribute it to the right team. Same will be for using the pipeline execution data to understand the velocity of teams on the software delivery process in different CI platforms. On your pipelines, you have some concepts that are commonly used to define your business logic. In Jenkins, people commonly use what they call stages, which is grouping of things. It's maybe the CI build phase. It's the QA validation phase. It's a security validation phase. And so here we need to capture the right attributes on these constructs of the pipelines that are used for organizational grouping to be sure that the data will be useful don't stream for the consumers, the use case that will come one day. What's going on, shippers? Our friends at Fastly are running an amazing promo with massive savings on Compute at Edge. They're inviting our entire listener base to move latency-sensitive workloads to the edge with Compute at Edge free for three months, plus up to $100,000 a month in credit for an additional six months. This is a limited-time offer, so head to Fastly.com slash podcast as soon as you can to check it out and get all the details. Here's the TLDR. Fastly's edge cloud network and modern approach to serverless computing allows you to deploy and run complex logic at the edge with unparalleled security and blazing fast computational speed. Scale instantly and globally, reduce origin load, get real-time observability, and get seamless integration with your existing tech stack. Head to fastly.com slash podcast to get compute at edge free for three months, plus up to $100,000 a month in credit for an additional six months. Once again, fastly.com slash podcast. Thank you.
You mentioned, Cyril, about calculating or like the spans being worked out incorrectly when it comes to job allocation in agents. And that was an interesting problem that I know that CICD administrators have. There are many other problems. So I'm wondering how does open telemetry help the CICD administrators, which I think is a very important role. It's not necessarily a person that does that. It's maybe a role that many people share. So how does this help them? So here was that continuous integration and continuous delivery pipelines gets more and more complicated with more complex orchestration, not only getting source code and compiling it to create an artifact, but now also creating a Docker image, going through security scanners, triggering deployment in preview environments for integration tests or for human to test. And this gets always more and more complicated, involving more distributed systems everywhere. Mm. So this was more and more complex to maintain up and running with some scalability problems that are very difficult because at some time of the day, you have many teams needing to build and then you want to reduce your infrastructure for cost optimization. These people, they had a problem that was increasing and at the same time, they had limited solution for this to help maintain troubleshoot these problems. Usually they are the last people to be noticed of a problem in an organization. It's a dev team who is under pressure, who has his pipeline broken and they get very hungry. They shout at people and it creates a lot of friction. And so we felt these CICD administrators deserve assistance. Something interesting that we observed as well is that observability says, I need to be able to slice and dice my data in any dimension. We saw when there is a CI-CD platform problem, you have to very quickly understand if this is a problem that is impacting just one team, one pipeline, maybe because Docker image used to build is broken, or if it's a problem that is impacting a large part of your organizations, maybe dozens of dev teams being blocked, like your Docker registry is broken, is broken, is unavailable, or you have a GitHub outage. So we wanted to provide tools to help CI-CD administrators to be notified early of problems mm. and being able to zoom in, zoom out to understand if problems is impacting just one or everybody. Mm. Here it was a very good match with the problems that observability is solving at the moment with microservices architectures on all the investments that have been done on microservices architecture observability, automated anomaly detection, through leveraging statistics, machine learning, high cardinalities, a metric store, all this could benefit a lot to mm. CICD administrators. It was of the first problems we wanted to solve. Can you think of one example, Oleg, for a administrator that this tooling helps solve? So for the administrator, when we talk about modern CICD system, it's basically a mesh of various asynchronous processes. All these processes are loosely connected. So even if we have one, let's say, mainstream pipeline, which uh, delivers you, actually, if you start uh, looking in, under the hood, you may notice that many events, even in this supposedly uh, one pipeline, actually depend on other factors. So for example, there might be a provisioning of agents if you talk about the original work for monitoring. And this agent provisioning doesn't have to be synchronous. Agents may be shared between different pipelines and hence various outages and issues also will be impacting multiple pipelines. So being able to trace these events would help me as administrator to understand, okay, this agent is broken. For example, it has the wrong version of Java due to whatever reason. Mm -hmm. and then uh, I can go back, understand which pipelines were affected and uh, restore them if needed. And uh, adjust my systems, reschedule them so that uh, my delivery continues and I, my development yeah. teams uh, do not lose time. Yeah. Just one example. There are many like that. That's a good one. One thing that really got me in the past was caching in CI/CD systems. So when you have some basically some dependencies which have been cached and there's issues related to retrieving data from the cache, it's so difficult to even understand that. Like, where does this fit in my pipeline? Does my pipeline depend on this other thing? What is this other thing? And does it just affect my pipeline? Did I mess up something in the caching? Maybe I'm running the wrong digest, or maybe you know something just doesn't interact with the caching system properly. That was so frustrating. And you're right, there's like all these changes that happen in pipelines, 
and we don't know why they're broken. We just know it doesn't work. <laughs> well, that doesn't tell me much. Yeah. And good luck debugging systems that you don't even know exist. That's an interesting proposition. Right. But uh, you have to introduce these systems because caching is one of the most effective ways to reduce costs of your pipeline. Yes. Even if you talk about things like single shot agents, clean bills, etc., when it comes to real massive production pipelines, we tend to, to actually simplify the things mm -hmm. to apply caching so that uh, get better throughput because yeah. it's more important. Something that I identified also working on this visibility of CI/CD pipeline is that we often talk about the divergence between dev and ops, dev wanting changing things all the time to deliver new features, new business value, and ops wanting stability. We see that on the CI/CD platform, we have the same challenge with CI administrators wanting a stable platform to keep it up and running because it's mission critical for the company. On dev teams wanting to onboard new projects with new need, new fancy requirements. And we wanted to find assistance so that people could embrace changes with confidence. Mm. And we felt that observability would be key to create this confidence to embrace yeah. changes on the CD pipelines. That's a great point. And it made me think of flaky tests. When everything is fine in the CI CD system, it still fails and you run it again and then it passes. So I think flaky tests when it comes to the code and developers tend to be very problematic, especially for legacy code bases especially for distributed systems. When you have tests and you're testing distributed systems, you have race conditions, left, right, and center. So how does OpenTelemetry help with flaky tests? So this is in our radar to also add observability to unit test execution. There is already a solution for Go test. It's written by uh, Jana Dogan, who works at AWS, where she has instrumented with OpenTelemetry Go test. On, we have the idea that it could also work mm -hmm. on Java unit test or any other language mm -hmm. and that we could as well use distributed traces to visualize your unit test execution, the duration and the outcome success failure. And where I think open telemetry is very powerful is that every large organization has its flaky test detector implemented in some ways. People tend to reinvent the wheel. And with open telemetry, with the open nature of its format, then we have an opportunity to create a backbone of unit test results going through open telemetry channels, which typically can be a Kafka streams. Then you will have DevOps team. I think mm -hmm. flaky test first not be something that an observability vendor will implement. But maybe it will be DevOps team somewhere in an organization who will just connect to these Kafka streams of open telemetry traces, create its own tool to process its flaky test report and share this with the community. With this open source community nature, I imagine that an open source solution will grow in the community. Leverage the fact that open telemetry is a very flexible architecture popular technology with OpenTelemetry itself on streaming like Kafka, Kinesis, or Google PubSub. And so I see a lot of traction and I expect the solution to come soon in the community. So I'm sold. I definitely want OpenTelemetry my CI CD system. How do I get it, Oleg? What do I do? Well, in theory, any system should include OpenTelemetry or the APIs out of the box. It doesn't happen at the moment because OpenTelemetry is still emerging standard. But how I would foresee it is that basically any enterprise-grade CICD system would uh, include a number of OpenTelemetry collectors so that you can just connect to them and retrieve this information. And it can be opt-in mm -hmm. so that you set some flags, for example, in your Helm charts, and then uh, all your OpenTelemetry collection is configured because it's, again, a building block. If you need to do something complex to enable open telemetry, that probably doesn't achieve its goal. Right. And once the technology matures, I would rather expect that every tool just adopts that and it becomes a commodity for any system you run. So what about today? What CI/CD tool can I use today that has this out of the box? Well, that's a good question because actually almost none of the tools have. Yeah, there are two CI platforms I am aware of who provide native open telemetry instrumentation, and they are Jenkins, 
on uh, IAM course for the integration and also Concourse CI. What do we need to do to get OpenTelemetry in Jenkins? So you just need to install the Jenkins OpenTelemetry plugin mm -hmm. going through your Jenkins plugins manager. And then you, once uh, Jenkins is instrumented with OpenTelemetry, you have to connect your Jenkins to an OpenTelemetry endpoint backend, mm -hmm. which can be maybe Elastic. I work for Elastic. Or maybe uh, you can use Jaeger. If you want to use Jaeger, it's very popular open source distributed tracing visualization that has been created at Uber. You will need to install a small component called OpenTelemetry Collector in between your CI platform on Jaeger because Jaeger don't speak natively OpenTelemetry for the moment. And then you are good to go. Mm -hmm. In Jenkins, with this OpenTelemetry integration, we have started with traces initially to trace pipeline execution. We have also captured health metrics. So you can also leverage our Jenkins OpenTelemetry integration to capture the health metrics of your Jenkins CI platform, route them to maybe Prometheus or maybe an open, uh, observability backend that support both traces on uh, metrics, Elastic being one, I uh, work for them, but you will find many other vendors who also mm -hmm. can consume all observability signals. What about Hotel CLI from Equinix Labs? How could we use that to get some open telemetry in CI/CD systems that maybe don't support it? It's possible. That's a great point. There were two initiatives that comes to my mind. I think the first one I saw came from Honeycomb, where they created a small CLI to instrument some uh, CI platform where the, the platform itself didn't instrument with Hotel. Otherwise, if you are on GitHub Actions, for example, or maybe GitLab CI, you would use Hotel CLI as maybe a wrapper when you invoke your Maven build, as a wrapper when you use you invoke your make file. Mm -hmm. Also something, even when you are inside Jenkins, inside the CI platform that is instrumented with uh, Hotel Traces, it's still very interesting to get more granularity in, let's say, a makefile, because you discuss a lot of makefiles in Shipit. If you want granularity on what's happening in your makefile, you can, in your makefile, drop some calls using the OpenCLI tool so that you get finer granularity in your pipeline execution. I'm probably a bit lazy because I just replace a shell on my agents. So I modify shell on their Docker images and auto-scilla is enabled by default to their full scripts. Okay, interesting. Hackish, but it works. Do you have an example of how to do that? That's very interesting. I would like to check it out, the code. I don't have a code with me, but yeah, basically you can just take open telemetry. You create a shell wrapper, uh, which just sends all the command invoked in this shell to open telemetry. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Okay. It's wrapper which retains all the environment and which is pretty transparent to your system, as long as you use seal scripts. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if you use a mix, let's say, of Bash, Python, etc., then you will have to instrument all of these tools, which becomes a bit tricky. But still possible. You say, Cyril, in one of your talks, Jenkins in production is hard. Mm -hmm. And I know a thing or two about that because many years ago we used to pair on getting CloudBeast Jenkins in uh, Pivotal Cloud Foundry in the platform. Yeah, uh, That was like many, many years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm wondering today, how would you run Jenkins in production? What would you choose? We use massively Jenkins at Elastic. We use it in conjunction with Kubernetes for our modern Jenkins platform. I'm a bit further away from this, but I think it, it's very important to leverage the flexibility of Docker containers to let development team customize their build environment the way they need. The way to offer the capability for dev teams to customize their build environment with Docker combined with the orchestration needed by a CI platform and the scalability needed by a CI platform, let me believe that you should leverage Kubernetes for this. Would you agree, Oleg? Yes and no, because you better deploy your CI system, which would be similar to your target environment especially if you want to do integration tests. And based on that, uh, a lot of depends. So if you, you develop, deploy cloud-native applications, then uh, yeah, most likely you will have to run Jenkins and Kubernetes, but it's not necessarily a case. What I would like to say that if you talk about modern Jenkins management, so everyone heard about Jenkins plugin hell and other things, and it's totally a case. Mm -hmm. But these days you can fully manage uh, Jenkins using configuration as code, uh, and you create uh, basically a CI CD pipeline for your automation system configuration as well. You really have to be just Jenkins. 
because it can be infrastructure as code. Yes, I would definitely recommend packaging Jenkins into containers. And there are tools for that. There are Helm charts, the operators provided by the Jenkins community. Mm-hmm. But on the lower level, you should always know what you run and you should be able to deploy staging and to verify your instance, okay. whatever is your target environment. Here, something else on the way to build your continuous delivery pipelines and related to Jenkins is a bit broader. It's a topic you discussed last time when you met with the Dagger people. Is it important to be able to run your CI pipeline, to test it, to develop it on your local computer? There are two initiatives that strike me on this. One was mm-hmm. Rod Johnson with his Atomist company. On one other is Dagger, who said it's very important to be able to test locally on the development cycle of the pipeline. I think it's when you design your pipeline, it's important to have as much as possible fragments that you can test locally. So I believe in the idea that you should have as little logic as possible Mm -hmm. in your CI proprietary orchestration language and that you should group these in typically make files to help testability of the system. Firstly, I agree that you should be able to test locally, but it doesn't mean that you cannot use pipeline definitions because many modern systems actually allow running pipelines locally. It's not just Jenkins. So for Jenkins, we have Jenkins file runner. For TeamCity, you can run Kotlin DSL. For GitHub, there are projects as well. And it basically poses this gap. So if you have proper configuration management for a system, if you can reproduce your production CD environment locally, for example, if you run your CD system in the container, mm-hmm. you can easily do local development and create complex pipelines. So that's a good solution. We will talk about pipeline development, what that looks like. But I would like to go back to the production question. How would you deploy Jenkins in production? So I think Cyril was mentioning Kubernetes you would deploy Jenkins, a production deployment, and you would manage Jenkins via Kubernetes. And I imagine Helm chart or operator, what would you go, Cyril? Which way? I am not knowledgeable enough. Okay. What about your leg? I would go with Helm chart, Mm -hmm. to be honest. Mm -hmm. Because Hamchart allows to be more flexible in terms of defining system. Okay. Operator has a lot of advantages if you want to build a reactive system, so which is basically based on Kubernetes APIs, yeah. text to some events, automatically skills, etc. But uh, for Jenkins, to my experience, it's not always needed. Mm-hmm. It uh, can be used in particular use cases. Mm-hmm. So I would go with operators only if I was building a highly available Jenkins solution where I would be managing controllers, automatically provisioning them, and uh, if I had a shared context uh, between them. Okay. Right now, it's not quite possible with stock Jenkins. So I would rather go after Helm chart. In that world where you deploy, where you have a production deployment of Jenkins using Helm, Mm -hmm. how would you configure the pipelines? How would you configure Jenkins? And then how would you configure, for example, the agents themselves? Where would that happen? How would that look like? Everything is code. Okay. Because currently, if you talk about pipelines, if you use Jenkins pipeline, job this, uh, all these technologies can be stored as code in your repository mm-hmm. in parallel with your project so that uh, when you build your project, you have a pipeline and you can test uh, them all together. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically the same for agent definitions. Okay. For example, if you use Kubernetes plugin, you can store agent definition again in the same repository so that you have your build system within your project and it's portable. Or you can uh, have it separately if needed, but still it should be defined as code somewhere. Okay. And uh, I would argue that actually the entire combination of Jenkins, so for us it's a server itself, plugin configuration, pipeline libraries you use, and the default pipeline building blocks, all of them should be just one deliverable for the end system. Mm-hmm. And this deliverable should be tested in you know, its own ICD pipelines. So there is much less opportunity for mistakes at mm-hmm. end user pipelines. From the perspective of code, like config as code, do you mean just config like YAML or some other format? What does that code look like? Yes. So if you talk specifically about Jenkins pipeline, yes. historically it uses Groovy DSL. Mm-hmm. So it's Groovy-like language due to some security and context requirements for failover. But yeah, it looks like Groovy and there are multiple ways to define it. Mm-hmm. 
So firstly, it can be a scripted pipeline, which is basically just Ruby DSL. It can be declarative pipeline, which uh, gets it closer to declare, obviously declarative syntax. Mm -hmm. But you can also deploy them as YAMLs uh, these days. Okay. So it's your choice how you actually implement them. And Jenkins as a tool supports both modes. And would you configure Jenkins using the Kubernetes API? Or would you target the Jenkins masternode directly? How would that work? In my case, I would rather use Jenkins for engine management because uh, if you put it on Kubernetes, then it will be still a question how you actually retrieve uh, mm -hmm. these configurations into Jenkins. And ultimately, it doesn't matter because it's still a system in the same repository. It doesn't matter how exactly it's deployed. Yeah. it inside Jenkins just gives you more flexibility because if needed, you can change on the flight right. without redeploying significant parts of your system. Hey shippers, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Equinix Metal. If you want the choice and control of hardware with low overhead and the developer experience of the cloud, check out Equinix Metal. Deploying minutes across 18 global locations from Silicon Valley to Sydney. Visit metal.equinix.com slash just add metal and receive $100 in credit to play with. Again, metal.equinix.com slash just add metal. And by our friends at Fire Hydrant. Fire Hydrant is the reliability platform for teams of all sizes. With Fire Hydrant, teams achieve reliability at scale by enabling speed and consistency from a service deployment to an unexpected outage. Here's the thing, when your team learns from an incident, you can codify those learnings into repeatable automated runbooks. And these runbooks can create a Slack incident channel, notify particular team members, create tickets, schedule a Zoom meeting, execute a script, or send a webhook. Here's how it works. Your app goes down, an alert gets sent to a specific Slack channel, which can then be turned into an incident. That will trigger a workflow you've created already in a runbook. A pinned message inside Slack will show off all the details, the Jira or Clubhouse ticket, the Zoom meeting, and all of this is contained in your dedicated incident channel that everyone on the team pays attention to. Now you're spending less time thinking about what to do next and you're getting to work actually resolving the issue faster. What would normally be manual tickets across the entire spectrum of responding to an incident can now be automated in every single way with Fire Hydrant. And here's the best part. You can try it free for 14 days. You get access to every single feature, no credit card required at all. That way you can prove to yourself and your team that this works for you. Get started at firehydrant.io. Again, firehydrant.io. like us to come back to the conversation that we started having and we put a pin in it around separating the CI from the CD concern in your system, right, which gets code out into production. What do you think about that? Do you think you should separate them or you shouldn't? And why? I would say that generally you should. You should. Okay. Yes. It might be still the same service per se in terms of deployment. But logically, CI and CD pipelines are significantly different. Mm -hmm. So there are different requirements, there are different implementation paradigmas. Mm -hmm. So when you develop your delivery system, you would rather split that. So for example, if you create a script, you shouldn't write a built-in deploy or make file target. You just create two ones with separate implementations and that you can maintain them separately and modify and test them separately if needed. Mm -hmm. This is the main difference. If you talk about CI/CD systems, I would rather say it's implementation detail because what we want is that systems work for our use case. Mm -hmm. If they work, it's perfectly fine. I know that in a previous episode, we talk about using something like GitHub Actions for the CI part, which builds, gets the dependencies, runs the tests, and then something like Argo CD for the deployment part, where you have the artifacts and then Argo CD just reconciles whatever runs in Kubernetes with the artifacts that were produced by our CI system. And I thought that was a good idea. What do you think, Cyril? Something that comes to my mind here is that we are in a world where we want to automate more and more the deployment of what we produce. Mm -hmm. So even if we decide to use two tools or maybe to put some boundaries for security constraints, security of the supply chain process, we still need a very automated way to trigger the deployment from the continuous integration phases. 
And in this sense, I am wondering if mm-hmm. it's more delineation of tools for some reasons, like best tool for the job or security. But your two processes remains completely connected together, maybe with a kind of GitHub, GitOps approach where a Git YAML manifest is, sits in between the two processes. But the processes would remain intricated and connected together. Well, I can tell you what we changed about the whole changelog setup a couple of years back, where we decoupled, we used Concourse, by the way, to run the build, run the tests, and even deploy. That's what we used in the past. And we used Ansible in Concourse. That's what the setup was. And then I think 2019, if I remember correctly, we went to manage CI. So we started using Circle CI for the build, steps, build, and test. And it stops currently today, depending on the branch. So the master branch is the one that produces a container image, which gets pushed to Docker Hub. And that's where the CI part stops. As for the CD part, we use something called keylessh, and we're meant to replace it, but that's what we even today, we make use of keylessh to watch the image. And when there are changes to the image, it will pull down the latest version automatically. There's nothing to be done. And it's because you always want to run the latest version. So in that world, we can have multiple copies of production, whatever that means. And all we have to do is tell it, this is the artifact or artifacts that we want you to run. Whenever there's an update, run the latest. So we decouple the deployment concerns from the integration concerns, and we can change CI. We can produce those build artifacts whichever way we want, even locally if we really want to. Not a good idea, but it could be done. And it works. I'm not saying it's the best way, but it's what works for us. Yes, a good approach because CD system will be eventually more complex than CI, even in this case. Mm-hmm. Because it's nice to say that we just download artifact, but when it comes, let's say, to failover, failover is a must for CD. Then, of course, various kinds of scalability concerns. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you get a huge CD system. Yeah. Having proper tools for that is definitely nice. And this is a question for you, Oleg. What does your process of developing a CI-CD pipeline look like? So in my case, I develop pipelines locally. I mostly use Jenkins, surprise, surprise. I also use GitHub Actions quite a lot. Mm. In both cases, I run pipelines locally, verify them. And in both cases, I try to minimize the amount of code and business logic that goes to my user definitions, whether it's YAML or whether it's Jenkins file, because I want to have a library of common steps for example, if I deploy my application, like publish to Docker Hub, it's just common step. Or if I build a Maven project, it's still a common step. So what it happens usually that there is a pipeline library that implements these steps. For these pipeline libraries, especially in Jenkins, you can create a test framework, you can verify them. Mm-hmm. And finally, I end up with my pipelines itself, just having several lines of code, which is basically configuration, not the pipeline definition itself. And all the pipeline exists separately as a separate deliverable, which is verified, mm-hmm. which is tested against various configurations, and which can be reused quickly should they decide how to implement a different pipeline. And for example, should I decide to change how I deploy the system or even how I build the system? And do you have an example that you can share with us for us to see what it looks like, the end result of that process? So one of examples you can take a look at the Jenkins infra slash pipeline library. So this is Jenkins pipeline library we use for building Jenkins components. We have something like 1800 plugins available in our data centers. And basically we have two standard flows right now, Maven and Gradle. So for these flows, we offer pipeline library. It is very complex inside. So for example, there is common state build plugin and has something like 300 lines in the pipeline library. But for end users, like mm-hmm. our Jenkins plugin developers and maintainers, they just get this build plugin step where they pass several options, like whether they want mm-hmm. to build on Linux, Windows, which Jenkins core versions they want to test against. And that's it. Mm-hmm. So it's basically one or two lines. You can take a look. I'll share the link later. It's all open source and all CI is also accessible. Take a look. I will. Yeah, thank you for that. And uh, there is a test automation for both unit tests and integration tests there. Thank you. I'll definitely check that out. And I'll also include it in the show notes. Cyril? Listening to you, it, it reminds me something that I saw when I was working on continuous delivery, continuous integration, when I was product manager at CloudBees two years ago, is the importance of standardization of the processes. We should manage the CI process, CI pipelines, CI CD pipelines of applications of microservices as a kettle, not as pets. 
I see the same question on observability, where the observability of your different applications and microservices in your organization should also be managed as a kettle rather than as pets. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a very important thing for your operations to remain sustainable. Speaking about important things, Dan Lawrence was saying this. Your build system should be at least as secure as your production environment. What do you think about that, Cyril? What I think about is, yes, we have seen it last year with uh, supply chain attacks that have been visible. It's also something for which we are thinking about on the open telemetry instrumentation of the continuous delivery pipeline, where we see the importance of capturing audit trails of the CD processes, including the logs as something critical. And we think that using open telemetry, it will be easier than ever to route all your audit trail of your release processes, mm -hmm. build process of what you ship in production, to route them directly in this very secure, long-term, cost-effective storage, being your logs management system. It could be maybe uh, an S3 bucket or maybe, let's say, your Splunk, Elastic, or you name it, a long-term storage. Mm -hmm. So this is what comes to my mind. And then there are some other requirements for the CI/CD companies, but I am less involved on in this at the moment. How do you think about supply chain security within CI/CD space, Oleg? I definitely support this topic. It's very important. And uh, when uh, SolarWinds was announced uh, one year ago, we actually had a Jenkins Governance Board meeting and then discussion at the Contributor Summit. And we decided to prioritize supply chain security as one of major topics for this year for Jenkins community. And if you have seen that there is a lot of activities on this round, for example, dependency updates, we'll invest quite a lot in uh, tooling, in dependency scanning, in uh, bills of materials. So you know, currently we can produce S-bombs for components if needed. Mm -hmm. And indeed, this is important. Mm -hmm. And it's important for us because we are a second level supplier. We depend on so many libraries. We need to verify them, but we also need to provide a good level of trust so that users of Jenkins and of our systems can safely deliver their software. Something that comes to my mind here that I touched when I was working on CI and that I see also now that I work on observability is the the importance on, of capturing the right information in the bill of material. And I think it's also an incremental journey. First, you do your Docker, you build on your Docker environment, but if you don't capture exactly the ashram of the Docker image that was used to run your build, mm. it's too late. You will not be able to re-understand it 12 months later. And so I think there is a, an incremental journey. Uh, it's a continuous exercise to verify that the data you capture in your build are good enough to understand what actually happened. You mentioned the, prime, the usage of cache system. Do I capture all the details to understand what artifact was retrieved from my caching system? Have I been poisoned? And this is a never-ending exercise in some ways to always capture the right metadata on your build. Is Captain Obvious involved in any of this, Oleg? Yes and no, because I'm currently building a prototype which integrates uh, Jenkins, OpenTelemetry, and Captain. Mm -hmm. But for me, the main objective is to actually expose more information about quality gates. So when we deliver software, we can verify that all items are basically delivered uh, with all matching criteria. So currently, Captain is mostly built around cloud events, which is probably a topic for separate discussion. Okay. Uh, Captain exposes open telemetry metrics on its own, so you can understand what happens inside Captain when you analyze, for example, quality gates, etc. Mm -hmm. But it would also be great to have integration in other direction. So when uh, CI CD systems supply information about the status metrics and especially all deployment parameters, uh, mm -hmm. tools like Captain, so that uh, they can make make decisions whether the system is compliant with the expectations of our CICD admins. How can we follow up on what Captain is up to these days? Captain Obvious specifically. Well, Captain Obvious, it was just sneak into my talk, which is coming soon. And yes, it's talk-driven development because I needed to implement a few bits for streaming events properly. 
So stay tuned, maybe announcement in a few months. Okay. Captain itself is basically a project. I remember Cloud Native Computing Foundation. It's currently a sandbox project. There are discussions about making it an incubating project. Okay. And it has quite vibrant community. Mm-hmm. There are meetings every week, including today, a developer or user meetings. So if you want to join the community, you're welcome to do so. I just joined. That's a good shout out. Okay. So... There's a question that I've been dying to ask since we began this recording. What made you move to Switzerland, Oleg? I moved to Switzerland because CloudVis is based there. Actually, I joined CloudVis when I was in Russia. But mm-hmm. due to various non-technical reasons, it was more reasonable to have me in Switzerland than in Russia. And yeah, I got an opportunity and Switzerland is a nice country. Right. Uh, for the record, I'm a big fan of Scandinavia, mm. but Switzerland is good, and why not? I moved to there. How long have you been in Switzerland? How long have you been living? Five and a half years. So that's a long time to really appreciate the country. So like six months, and it's like the honeymoon period. Okay. I like this country, and I like the city where I am, because mm-hmm. I'm in the French-speaking part, and there is a lot of advantages here. Which city are you in Switzerland? In Neuchâtel. I think one of the advantages was you not needing a car, right? And you being very excited about that, where the public transport is really good. Okay. So as we are preparing to wrap this up, I'm wondering, what is the most important takeaway for our listeners, Cyril? Thank you. The most important takeaway for me is the importance of the open source and standard nature of open telemetry to succeed to observe CICD pipelines, both to succeed in instrumenting these very these very rich communities of tools involved in the CD processes, and also communities that will consume all the observability data we produce, which are not only CI administrators, but as we have said, also developers for their pipelines, people doing cost accounting, people doing reporting on the delivery process. On CI-CD data are gold mines that we succeed in exposing thanks to the popularity of this open source standard, which is open telemetry. Okay, that's a good one. What about you, Oleg? Totally support this statement. So DT is the new oil and it applies everywhere, including CI-CD world. And actually, you can use this data and not just analyze it and optimize your pipelines, but also to make decisions. Yeah. Because the same approaches like artificial intelligence, etc., they apply not only to production systems and use cases, not only to speed trading, but also to your CICD. Because so once you analyze tests properly, once you can get better insights in tests and coverage, once you can show developers what are the issues, you can actually improve developer velocity a lot. And you can reduce costs for your development. And more importantly, you can shorten your delivery cycle. So this data, which is exposed by open telemetry, is essential to actually improving your pipelines to the next stage. The thing which gets me really excited is that regardless what system you're using, as long as you emit open telemetry events, you can get the same view even when you switch between systems. That gets me really excited because then you're free to pick mix and match. It doesn't really matter. Just pick the right tool for the right job. But we will understand the same things even when you move between systems. I think that's really exciting. It's exciting. And when you operate with multiple systems in parallel, which is what's happened in the real life of not small organizations or large organizations. I'm looking forward to it that uh, foundations and various working groups start working on specific standards for open telemetry so that they actually standardize the events. Yeah. Because right now it's still an open question. So it's a very idealistic view that every CI system exposes the same events, the same metrics, and the same logs. It's not a case yet, and there is a lot of standardization work to happen. Mm. I see such work, for example, happening in the Continuous Delivery Foundation for CD events. Oh, yes. But for open telemetry, I would like to see that as well. That's a good point. Yeah, you're right. It's still very early days, as you mentioned, this whole new Mm -hmm. ecosystem is still very young, right? It only just started maybe a year ago, two years ago. It's very recent anyways. Yeah, it's just a sandbox project in ICNCF these days. But I hope that it will become incubating very soon because uh, yeah, the adoption for mm-hmm. open telemetry is already massive. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there are so many players on this space. So mm-hmm. from my point of view, it's totally justified that it's transferred to incubating. Is there anything coming in the next six months that you want to share with us, Cyril? We have just donated the open telemetry Maven integration to the open telemetry community. 
So it's moving fast and we get feedback. It's, we are progressing fast here. It's great. The OpenTelemetry Ansible integration, we have uh, donated the Ansible integration to the Ansible community itself. We are iterating at the moment and we are rolling it out inside Elastic to uh, really battle test this. Mm -hmm. So it's moving as well. So these are great uh, milestones for us to expand the ecosystem of uh, tools that we integrate. Oleg, what about you? It's kind of public and changing jobs. I still cannot announce what's the next one, but uh, I'm sure it will be quite interesting. It's around open source. Mm -hmm. It's around observability as well. And okay. yeah, I will definitely keep working with Cyril and many other contributors in this area. Looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. We'll keep working on Jenkins. I will be publishing my vision for Jenkins and some bits of the roadmap in the coming weeks. So that uh, if you're interested to see Jenkins evolution, the community is strong. There is a lot of different developments happening in there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see what we ship to the users in just a few months, maybe years. Well, this has been a great discussion. Thank you very much. There's so many things that I need to go and check up on now. All very exciting things. And I look forward to what happens in six months in this space because it's really, really interesting. It just ties so many things together. I'm very excited. Thank you very much for today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into another episode of Ship It. I enjoyed making it for you. This is just one of the podcasts for developers that we ship. Go to changelog.com forward slash master for the rest. You can join me and the rest of our community at changelog.com forward slash community. There are no imposters in our Slack. Everyone is welcome. Huge thanks to our partners, Fastly, LaunchDarkly, and Linode. Thank you, Breakmaster Cylinder, for all our awesome beats. That's it for this week. See you next week.